When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to Inspiring Stories for Bowra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories brought to you by Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. In this episode, a man who's been described as one of the most colourful and controversial characters in the game of footy, but that, frankly, is an understatement. He tasted success as a player and as a coach, a Sandover medalist, a three-time best and fairest at his Waffle Club. He's been an All-Australian captain, A star in the VFL with Richmond and no stranger to the tribunal either. In fact, he once missed a VFL grand final. Uh, He was suspended for throwing a ball at an umpire, although he may have a different take on that that incident. He is one of the great characters of the game, that is for sure. The one and only Big Bad Mal Brown. Meaner than a junkyard dog. Mel Brown, hello and welcome to the show. Have you uh, have you mellowed at all uh, in your uh, uh, more recent years? Well, Tim, there's one thing. I've got older. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I can even remember when uh, 6PR was purchased by John Roberts and Yossi Goldberg and we had my uh, communist mate Bob Mormel uh, in the group <laughs> and Gary Carvolt and uh, uh, we had Percy Johnson and... Uh, we had a lot of good fun on those programs. Yeah, I bet. Um, but are you still well, a, are you still a junkyard dog, Mel, or have you have you chilled? Well, I never know what a junkyard dog was. I thought it was Dean Laidley. <laughs> well, that's true. Uh, let's not go there. That's 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 another story that's unfolded over the years too, isn't it? Yeah, but I, oh, I'm not being critical of that. I'm just saying that I think yeah. they used to call him because he was a no, they do. Yeah, a, he was bloody a bloody good player. He was. He was a, a real player, yeah. Though. He was a proper. Junkyard scrapper uh, in his yeah, playing days, was, wasn't he? Well, I don't know. All I know is I hope I haven't changed. No, I don't think that is the case, Mel, as we'll discover over the next uh, hour or so. But thank you for joining us uh, on the program. Can I ask, uh, you know, that, that name is sort of, it, it, it stuck, it was catchy. You had the little song that went with it that we just played a bit of there. Um, the, the notoriety that comes with a nickname like that, how much of that was, was real to you and how much did you play up to it? Um. I don't know if I ever played up to it. I, I suppose probably as it developed, you, you enjoyed the theatre. Mm. Um, one of the things that uh, we learned was during the game of footy, you played from two twenty to five o'clock, and you stood in. You know, you played on your man. If you didn't beat him, you sledged him. If you didn't beat him, you gave him a whack. And at the end of the day. Afterwards, you all had a drink together with the umpire who you might have might have sledged as well, or Ned Martino would have said to you, now listen, Brown, 
So you can't even get a kick. So I wouldn't worry about wasting your time sledging or <laughs> being the umpire or having thought it. Just say, look, when you kick for gold, you don't even run straight. You know, things like that. So yeah. it was a different era. And uh, sledging, we weren't... Um, I don't think we were as soft as the kids are being brought up today because we had to learn to... Uh, you know, Nino Colotto, if you remember, they were a weird mob. Reckoned he was only realised when he was accepted as an Australian when he went bricklaying. Yep. When he was asked to, uh, he was asked to go and have a beer with the guys on a Friday afternoon, and he learnt to swear. And instead of saying "you effing so and so," he'd get the word round the so and so effing, and he used to muck up the whole English language he learnt. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I mean, I think the game life was different and. Uh, look, I only played football because I loved the game. Yeah. It wasn't to make money. It wasn't to uh, go to university. Uh, you, you went to James Street Tech to do charge accountancy because uh, you wanted to fit it in with your football rather than the other way around. So yep. my love and luckiness has been that uh, I was recruited by a wonderful club mm-hmm. uh, that lost a lot of flags for a long while and had marvellous people in Red Book and Hex Trimple and Jack Clayton and you can go on and name uh, Roy Sweet. You can name a lot of them as well as a great great Luke group of players. I was lucky to be recruited by his team. Yep, and and tasted uh, great success there. As I mentioned, a, a Sandover medalist there. Uh, three-time best and fairest at East Perth. Hey, Mel, can we go back uh, to your early days? Tell us where you grew up in WA. What were the early years of Mel Brown like? Well, I... I had a fabulous life. I had I was I was brought up in Darren. Yep. Um, I came from uh, Mundaring up that way when I was born, and went up to Darren. And the dad had the general store with the mother, and uh, the old man used to love. You. Apparently, was a very good footballer for querying, and he used to provide the oranges and that the Darren and he janding every week. And my mother used to do the cooking and all that for him, and they had the general store and basically became a boundary umpire at a very young age Yep. and used to uh, go to Kamaling and uh, Connor Goring and Wongan Hills and Ejanding um, uh, basically and, and I barracked which was most probably why I've always been contrary, we lived in Darwin and I barracked through Ejanding <laughs> which was a little place about 14 miles out of town, out of town. but uh, my favourite player as a kid was a bloke called Basil Underwood, who no one had ever heard of, and yeah. he was about five foot ten and played centre half forward, and, then a, and their colours were black and gold. Well, there you go. It was written in the stars early on. Well, and then we had Johnny Mayo, a bloke that had a. Uh, he was a teacher, and he was fatter than I am now. And he used to play. For, he played for Darren <laughs> as our school teacher, and um, we had Kevin Waters, blokes like none of these names are relevant to people other than. The ones in the country area, and uh, we just loved uh, we just loved to play our cricket and our footy, and yep. um, always with older men that uh, kind of picked you up at sixteen, and you went and played mm. cricket all Saturday or played the footy, and it was just uh, I mean Darren's been Darren's been a pretty good place, you know, with the field day and the great Buddy Franklin from there, and Murray Cooper came from there, and. Um, there's a very lot of lot of uh, pretty pretty talented uh, sports people. A talented gene pool in the area. It sounds like it. So, uh, and growing up, you said you, you know you loved footy. It sounds like you loved uh, cricket as well, uh, and you were drawn to the game because you just loved it. It wasn't for a financial incentive. Um, what were you going to do 
Mel, uh, if uh, if footy didn't pan out for whatever reason, you know, where would you never be? Never thought what, of that. You never thought of it? Ne- never thought of it. And I don't think Campbell, my son, did either, to be truthful <laughs> with you. Um, but he, he uh, it was just something that was just, uh, um, we just did. And we played sport. We played tennis. We played cricket. We played basketball. At, you know, he played softball with the girls at school when you're in, in, in uh, the small classes. But my hero was John Jerovich. Yep. And uh, South Fremantle came up to Gamaling and uh, Jerovich, and I, I don't think Toddy played. I think he was injured. Uh, but Jero uh, um, came up there and he was my, always was my idol, Jero. And I wrote to him and asked, uh, you know, wrote him a letter and he sent me a pair of socks. I think I might still have them, actually. Yeah, right. And uh, the, the mother had to cut the, cut the uh, foot part in half and uh, darn about two inches. Beautiful. Uh, into the socks so I could wear the socks that Jero gave sent me. <laughs> so uh, he was he was always my hero. And then uh, uh, my dad knew Clive Lewington very well. And when I went to Scotch College as a boarder, uh, we used to sneak out on a Sunday and Mr. Lewington had picked me up at the Fremantle station and we'd go from there out to uh, Coburn and Hamilton Hill and played uh, in the under-16s. Uh, when I was at Scotch, which you had to be back by six o'clock on a Sunday, uh, or you get into trouble, of course. But it was all, uh, and he was just the most marvellous man, uh, uh, you know, having a Clive Lewington himself. And I mean, being truthful with you, I was the luck. I had three of the great coaches. Uh, Clive Lewington coached me at uh, Coburn um, and looked after us, and I stayed there, and he used to push me into the bloody tomato bushes and everything he didn't he bumped you and it was pretty tough and then austin robertson senior wow um and he used to say you've got to have guts g-u-t-z um you'd be with him at three-quarter time and i'll win you the game and uh the old one which he did used to say you you two get you three get over there in pairs and uh he was noted for his and then we had the great johnny leonard who coached Scotch College uh, seconds as well, uh, who won the Sandover medal in about 26 or 28, I think, Tom Outridge then, and then he won it. Uh, Johnny Leonard coached Suvi, who's a great coach. So we, you're a pretty lucky kid. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, that's, why, that's why my love of football was you were blessed. probably my love. Yeah. My love. How did you go at school, Mal, in the, uh, in, the, in the rules and structures of Scotch College boarding school? How did you cope? You were a bit of a rap well, I never got, I never got expelled. <laughs> so, uh, Congratulations! I think that was the headmaster. I think the headmaster. Uh, uh, we had a wonderful headmaster that anyone that got in trouble from other schools and got expelled was basically given a second chance at Scotch. Yep. And uh, Doctor uh, G Maxwell Keys, um, and he was. I think he. That's most probably why I feel if I did have some ability. It was dealing with villains and a bit of louts and rat bags. The kids that were perfect most probably didn't get much coaching well, <laughs> really, in a lot of ways. But he used to, he, he used to, uh, uh, he was terrific. I remember we uh, uh, had a, a, the athletics at, uh, I think it was at Perry Lakes the first time, and Aquinas or Christchurch threw uh, eggs or whatever at, at Terry Gale and sitting there and all of a sudden I looked at Terry and he, Terry was very politically correct even then mm. and uh, I said I saw who did it, that we charge and 
He made a mistake. He said, he said, yes. So I said to the school, let's stand up and let's charge. <laughs> and we did. And uh, the headlines on the news were riots at school sports. And Keys asked me, called me up and said, what did I do wrong? And he said, mm, I can quite understand that, Brown. He found an excuse. Justifiable action. always find an excuse. Yeah, he was a good man. Oh, very, very good. lucky boy. Yeah. Very lucky boy. Yeah, that helps too, doesn't it? It sounds like you had it uh, yeah. everything in, in place, Mel. And uh, despite being a, a South Fremantle fan uh, as a kid, uh, you ended up uh, on the books of East Perth, which we'll get into right after we take a break, Mel. Uh, so we'll hear more of that story uh, right after this. This is Inspiring Stories. The one and only Mel Brown is our special guest. Back with more in a moment. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. In this episode, we are hearing the story of Mel Brown. Mel, uh, you got picked up by East Perth, uh, even though, as I mentioned, you were pretty much a a rock-solid South Fremantle fan uh, as a kid. Was that a bit of an emotional wrench for you, going from uh, from South Fremantle fandom to uh, being on the books at the Royals? Well, I think... Yes, it was, and I think there was a few. I don't. I, I know exactly why it happened, but um, Clive Lewington uh, looked after me, as I said, and he was he was pretty disappointed because. Uh, um, but it was a year in about '64 of the drought or floods. I think it was floods. So with all this climate change, you get mixed up now. Uh, <laughs> there was floods in there was floods in Darren, and uh, it was a pretty tough time and. Uh, uh, people forget the reason. I'd never been to East Perth. I only went and watched South Fremantle play and, uh, when I could get out of school. And, but Keith Donkin, who was All-Australian in 66, he was a Scotch boy when I was start, just started school. Uh, and then we had Ronnie Jarrell from Narragin. He played for, for games from East Perth. We'd had Donnie Langdon before that. Um, so Scotch had... So Hex somehow found out and Hex Strempel got me to come... Uh, uh, with uh, Archie McKinnon's son, Alan, who was the boss of Karras Brothers, who was a Mad East Perthian. We went and watched Keith Donkin and Jarrell play. And uh, it was a plot, apparently, and Heck, Heck got us in the rooms and took us around and introduced us. And as a kid of about 15, I suppose, or 16, yep. no, but it's been after 16, because um, I was, think I was at, uh, playing for Coburn in number juniors then. And... Uh, it ended up that we signed up, and uh, I found out later that um, uh, my dad, they might have paid my last term at Scotch College. Is that uh, right? In the year 12. They might, that, that, I, I'm not 100% sure of that. I've never ever proved, but I think they might have, because I think uh, my dad was carrying all the farmers' credits because they couldn't pay their or debits, they couldn't pay their bills because they had all the floods. Right. And um, I think it was a struggling year. So that's a, as far as I ended up at East Perth, not, not from pressure from the father, but uh, I went down to South with them to meet the people there and two of the committeemen had a fight and <laughs> thought, shit, that's not too good. If I'd have known what it was like, I'd have gone there right from the start. <laughs> <laughs> um, East Perth, though, it turned out to be uh, a great time for you uh, as a player, uh, but also uh, as a as a team, I mean, three times best and fairest there. You won a Sandover medal there. Uh, you were an All-Australian captain in 1972. Um, just a, a great time for you personally. Well, look, 
it was we, we'd always been the we'd lost three premierships before that. Yep. In a row, I think just about. So, and Mal Atwell, uh, you know, when I the first day I went to East Perth and trained, mm. um, Mal Atwell kind of gave me a clip, and he's used to grunt and he is abrupt and he's just a magnificent person, Apple, and one of the most generous men I've ever met in in helping people and. I get around and he flattened me. I got his, he flattened me. So I grabbed the jump. I think they were just trying to test out a, a Scotch College boy whether he was soft and a bit of a sook, and uh, he, he flung me. And so I caught him the next time and slung his jumper. And thank God it, it split and he went into the fence or it fell over or something. So and he walks up to me and he says, uh, "Coming out for dinner Thursday night." And he hadn't spoken to me from the fifth of January till the first scratch match. I'd and uh, I went out for dinner and we become very, very good friends. He was a great Laurie Kennedy, him, Buller McGregor, Chatty, Jerry Smith, all they were just fabulous to me. They yep. spoiled me and uh, they were, they, and, and went, you know, basically my love of East Perth was that uh, I didn't, I really, I think being coach of East Perth sport my football career yep. because you didn't play for your, just your own football for your game. You played to try and win for the match. So you didn't necessarily try to be best player each week or anything like that. You stayed a kick behind the player or you did, you know, you made various moves so that you could uh, save up if you eight goals ahead with 10 minutes to go and all those sort of things. Yep. So most probably it wasn't a good thing, but mm. um, I had I had Jack Sheedy as coach. He, I had Kevin Murray for my first coach, who was a marvel. Um, Jack Sheedy was still going the old bugger and, I hope, I hope he's going. I hope you can hear me, Jack. <laughs> and Jack, uh, at the moment, he's—I think he's a bit deaf, old Jack, at the moment. Um, and you had then you had Derek Chadwick, yeah. and um, uh, Chadwick was unbelievable to me because I was—I took I was twenty-three or four when I was coach, and Chaddy's—it's very young to be a uh, captain coach, isn't it? Of a side that's right up at well, the top of the table. Almost probably too young. Yeah. Most probably too young. Um, but Chadwick would always argue and debate with me, and always end up saying, "If you, I vote for you." But he put you through the. He was just the loyalist mm. uh, bloke who could have been had no reason to be happy with me being coach. Yeah. Um, yep. But him and his wife Jan were just fabulous. So, you know, all those things I think teach you to be uh, want the team to win, and you want try and leave the club in a better space when you've left than when you went there. Yep. Hey, so tell me about um, the celebrations after you just claimed the 72 uh, Waffle Premiership. I understand you um, you came up uh, at odds, if I can put it that way, against the uh, the hierarchy uh, at the club uh, when it, t- it came time to celebrating your Premiership. Well, after the game, Chadwick had been uh, had missed out in the Premierships when he was younger because he got injured. Then he missed out on the 72 Premiership, and we were... So they asked us to go up to the committee room, which was downstairs for a drink uh, to, with the committee. So I went round there and I took Chatty with me. And uh, one of the committee men said that it was, I was the only one asked in. And I didn't take that very kindly and most probably, I, and I don't regret it. I basically told them to get stuffed. And if he wasn't, couldn't come in with me, they could drink on their fucking own. And uh, so we left. And I rang up Steve Spanbrook at the Norwood Hotel and said, uh, what are we allowed to do? We want to come over and join you to have drinks uh, rather than stay here after these people's attitude. So the, most of the team ended up going around there. And I think we had to put 
a thousand bucks in before ten o'clock, and as long as you didn't pay for a drink, uh, that it, it was all prepaid, you were basically allowed to finish your drinks. And I think the cops come and joined us. We were <laughs> liquor and gaming, the liquor and gaming, and they came and joined us, and we went over there till about one or two o'clock in the morning. I think. <laughs> Brilliant. That's true leadership, Mel. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't think they were too. Ha- I don't think they were too happy with us. <laughs> One of the one of the other big moments uh, uh, in that year as well, Mal. Of course, was uh, this was a time when uh, we used to have a. Uh, it was kind of a state of origin type uh, setup, wasn't it? But uh, East Perth played Carlton uh, in what was uh, dubbed, I think, at the time, the Championship of Australia. Uh, another colourful moment in your career, Mal. What are your memories of that time? And just before I get you to reflect on that, we'll just uh, remind people with this uh, with this short clip. East Perth were playing the VFL side Carlton. Clashes were hard, tempers were high, and it had to happen. Veteran commentator Lou Richards couldn't believe his eyes. Brown was fighting the whole Carlton team. And to add injury to insult, Brown won. If interstate followers of the game had ever doubted Brown's reputation as an Iron Man, they didn't now. <laughs> Brilliant. I love it that you took on the whole team. And <laughs> he proudly says, and won. Does that still make you feel like you want to puff your chest out a little bit now when you hear that? No, no, mate. <laughs> Louis Louis Richards was very biased. He was, he was he, him and Michael Williamson and those guys were so so uh, Frank Sparrow and all those old blokes. They were uh, the only one that used to give me a real clipping was old Mick Cronin, who I loved. He used to give us a lecture every Monday or Tuesday. But he was, but they were fantastic, and uh, that happened over. Uh, a young boy called Colin Johnson, uh, Ken McCauley and Chaddy and them were playing cricket. Uh, the end, it was the end of the footy season. That was a couple of weeks after it. And well, I think it was Barry Gill flattened uh, Colin Johnson. And, mm. you know, we, and so we just, as we said in the Bible, it said the eye for an eye. So we just, it just happened. And uh, uh, what happened happened. And the, it just, the only thing is I, Trevor Keogh, who, uh, I hit last, apparently, or yes, I did, I have to confess. And I really don't know why I hit him at all. I've got no logic in it. He's, his, brothers, his brother spoke to me about 20 years ago. We had a beer at Bendigo or Ballarat, but he still won't talk to me, old Trevor. Is that right? So, uh, he's still cranky with me. But uh, You did break uh, his jaw, didn't you? Did you break his jaw? I don't know, did I? I thought you might have. someone that well, you'd... If you be, if you hit someone so crisply, you'd be disappointed if you didn't. <laughs> hey, there yeah. might be a few wounds uh, to heal after the uh, infamous uh, Battle of Windy Hill in 1974. We need to take a break, Mal. But after that, uh, your move from WA over to the VFL uh, with Richmond and that famous battle at Windy Hill uh, that occurred in that year as well. This is Inspiring Stories. Mal Brown is our special guest. Back with more right after this. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Right down in front, there's the cans going over the fence. The runners are in, Andrews is in. They're all in. It's going to be, look at this going on out here. Quinton now in the scene. And Parsons going for his life. Didn't want to be in it. Players are laid out. People are laid out everywhere. One of the nastiest teams I've seen in football for years. There you go. That was the famous 1974 battle at Windy Hill. Uh, and allegedly started by our guest in this episode. Mel, are you taking responsibility for that? 
<laughs> I've got to take responsibility for everything. <laughs> Look, going going to Richmond was uh, Campbell always says to me, Dad, did they? They've not no video of you. Did you ever take a mark or get a kick? Because <laughs> I've never seen a video of that. But uh, look, Richmond was was a fabulous club. They were they were a really really good club. And Graham Richmond is the legends go for non West Australian people, uh, or for you know don't know him. He was just a, an absolute legend. You know Hex Trample Plus. You know the blokes that have got great names. But I remember. Uh, and I'm, I'm leading to something here. My first mm. game uh, was on Easter. I think it was Easter Sunday or most Monday or something. And I wake up and it's, I look. I'm staying at his hotel upstairs. I had a room and the lounge and that. And we looked out and here he is with a little green uh, uh, jumper on with a hole in the sleeve with a paper under his arm. And he's about five foot nine, half bald headed. And it's you know how Melbourne doesn't even rain properly or it didn't used to. It just trickled. <laughs> yeah, just and constant said, drizzle. Yeah, he said, oh, hey, Jesus, Cocko, it's going to be a great day today. He <laughs> said, you're going to put on that great black jumper with the yellow sash. By Christ, it's a great day today. <laughs> he said, you go down to the go down to the MCG and you walk into the rooms and the smell of eucalyptus rushes through your nostrils. By Christ, it's going to be a great day. <laughs> and then you run down the race and you put your foot on the hallowed turf of the MCG. The same ground that Redpath made 127 and saved Australia. By Christ, it's a great day today. He said, and the umpire bounces the ball and there's 100,000 eyes looking at you. Hey, Cocker, we don't want you to look at the ball. We want you to run straight at that weak big Don Scott and knock him to the ground. <laughs> and when you knock him to the ground, you drop with both knees into his guts. By Christ, it's going to be a great day today. And that was at 10 past seven in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and about nine hours to go before the game. Well, that, that was how my that was my introduction yeah. to, uh, to Ripman. And, and did you and, knock him uh, down, and that, Don? And, uh, well, we, yes, well, Don's still not talking. He said to me that I He's not talking to you either. I had to. I said, it's recorded. <laughs> but, he, but, we, but going back to the, uh, that all started too from the uh, Carlton game. Yep. When, uh, when the, as I said, Colin Johnson got flattened and everybody, don't ask me why I hit Keo, don't ask poor old Percy Johnson. He says, I was doing nothing. <laughs> and I can't recall the other two blokes, but, and we get in after the game and I get reported. So Kenny Deards, who I'll send a cheerio to, he's not travelling too well at the moment. And uh, uh, Deards, he, we had a few drinks after the game, and he said, uh, how are you going to get out of this? I said, I'll say I've got concussion. And he said, well, why don't I give you a, a whack in the eye? <laughs> and so he laid back and he went bang and gave me a hook me in the eye and gave me a black eye. <laughs> so when we went into the tribunal the next day, the bloke said, oh, Mr Brown, what happened? I said, look, I can't recall. I got a very hard knock on me eye. I said in the head, you can see I've got a black eye. <laughs> and they, 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 they didn't believe me, but they sent it back to the WAFL tribunal uh, to hear the case, and they gave me three scratch matches. Brilliant. Brilliant. So I've got three scratch matches, and I can thank Ken Deeds for it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> bit of theatre sometimes. No, Never goes astray. Yeah, a bit of theatre. Yeah. No, well... But heck, was they were very good at that. Old Doc Rogers. One day, I go had some hand backhander in a scratch match, apparently, and heck took me up on the Monday up to the uh, 
Dr. Rogers and Dr. Rogers put my hand on the table and he got a scalpel and he cut my right hand and put five stitches in it. And then I, they wrap it up and I go to the tribunal and the doctor, the bloke in the hex gives a big thing. Would you hit someone with your canozos? You had to be precise. Your left hand yeah. hits your right, you know, the right cheek and the right hand hit the left cheek. And, and Hex said, well, would you do that? And he pulled my arm. If you had all these stitches in your hand, would you do that? Um, and he pulled he pulled out my hand with these stitches in it. Well, I think, I don't know, I think I got off or I, uh, or I might have got a week or something. Well, I couldn't have played anyway because I ended up with a lump under my arm the size of a bloody rock melon because I poisoned my hand and <laughs> getting, getting it cut open by the doctor. Oh, that one backfired on you. But uh, but other times, obviously, uh, it sounds like it worked to treat. Hey, so can we just go back to the, 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 the Windy Hill game? How did that all kick off? If you did start it, what was the moment where you just – suddenly just saw red and just went for it. Well, I know. Well, I didn't. That actually, what happened was Jerker Jenkins took a mark and a big jerker that came from uh, from uh, Collingwood went to Essen and he's a big, really big bloke, a lovely big bloke. And he took a mark just before half time and I was standing on the mark and I stood over him with your legs caught. And I, this was semi-made up and I said, you know, he pulled his hand up and tried to pull me Willie and I said, now I know why they call you jerker sort of thing. <laughs> well, John Casson come running round the boundary with a, uh, a, I think it was a red or black, tra- red, black uh, tracksuit, red tracksuit. And he looked like he was come from Mars and he ran and jumped on top of me. And we just were on the ground for five minutes or wrestling and whatever. And uh, the blue went on all around. That was my total, no one will believe it. Yeah, um, but Brad, Bradley got a broken jaw. Uh, uh, he got hit by Stephen Parsons. Whale got hit by a can of beer that someone threw and hit him in the eye. Uh, Graham Richmond got two years, uh, six months, and two thousand dollar fine. Yeah, uh, for siding for hooking someone. Jim Bradley, I think, who broke the runner or the trainer for Essendon, and uh, I got trodden on by the policeman's horse. What? And had the the on the my right leg, I had this bloody big thing around me knee, the shoe of the horse. That was about it. That was, uh, but it was. It's got a bigger story every year, and yeah. I suppose uh, no one wants to know the real truth. But I was, I was basically, they basically said to me, Mister Brown, no one will believe us if we don't give you one week. So they gave me a week. That's extraordinary. Imagine what you'd get for that now, Mel. Oh, well, you'd get, you'd get the well, season yeah. probably. <laughs> well, most probably, but I didn't do anything. No, exactly. Exactly. Well, <laughs> you don't believe you that, did. do you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I've watched the clip a few times. It's hard to tell. Let's just say that the, the, the footage is inconclusive. Going, going up the race, we all get up there to get a drink, and Kevin Bartlett had rung up, run up, and they used to put all the 20 squashes on a table, and you'd take one as you went in. Well, it was. By the time we got up there, Bartlett had drunk five, so there was nineteen of us looking for <laughs> nineteen of us looking for fifteen squashes that were there. He managed to avoid the uh, the brawl entirely, didn't he? He just uh, slunk away. Oh, he ran up the race. Yeah, he I was mean, thirsty. He, 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 he was thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> Capping off a, a pretty incredible nineteen seventy four for you. Richmond made the grand final, won the grand final. Unfortunately, though. You didn't play in it. Why is that? Well, we were played Collingwood. 
And I took a mark, which was a rarity, and uh, we, threw, we threw the ball back to the umpire, and the umpire said that I threw the ball too hard back at him. Um, I told him he must, uh, now in older days, he's a wimp. His name was John Sutcliffe. Mm-hmm. And John Sutcliffe said that if he'd have caught it, he would have been in a chuka, which is about 200 miles away, he reckons. So <laughs> I thought that was an unfair description. Yeah. But it's yeah. interesting that John Sutcliffe and I would correspond weekly uh, with our horse tips. And we had lunch together occasionally. And uh, all this stuff that nowadays that everybody segregated and takes groups. I mean, he had a job to do. If he didn't do it, he most probably wouldn't have got a final game. So he had to umpire. Uh, and I think they were waiting to get even with me for the Essendon Blues. Yeah. Scores to settle. Understandable. And look, it's, it's no one's fault to moan. I'm unlucky. If, if You know, I was unlucky... Not unlucky for that, but I mean, they went at the right time to a great club uh, and Barry Richardson played and kicked five goals. So it didn't matter if you were there or not, but it was a wonderful experience, I can tell you that. Good stuff. Hey, Mel, we need to take another break. After that, uh, you'll move back to the West uh, and uh, and to Claremont and then South Fremantle. Still stacks to get through uh, in your extraordinary and colourful life. Mel Brown is our special guest in this episode of Inspiring Stories. Back with more in a moment. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Tim McMillan is my name. My special guest in this episode is Mal Brown, a.k.a. Big Bad Mal Brown, uh, who returned from Victoria uh, back to WA in 1975 uh, to take up the role as player coach at Claremont, a club you hadn't really had much to do with uh, until that point in time. Mal, uh, how did you adopt the colours of Claremont? Did it sit well with you? Well, I don't think I went over too well there because the first <laughs> night at training, the first night at the first game we played, they'd made us some a comment after the game, what do you think of it? And I said, well, I think Claremont's a club where the parents had ambition and left the kids with none. So I don't think that went over too good for a while. But but look, it was a, it was a great time because all the when I say a great time, it was a great time for Claremont because their juniors were useless, their yep. country endeavour was nil. And uh, Monty Butfield, we got, who's an ex, uh, was a teacher, he took over what the Lyle Bremner had been doing and developed the junior council at Claremont absolutely fantastically. The country area, we, you know, if you look at the players we, we found and, uh, and not all come up that first couple of years for blokes like Ditchburn, Harper, Panizza, Alan Daniels, the two Cracker Boys. Yep. Uh, you could just go on and on and on and on. That was they did a marvelous job because they always had talent, mm. but they didn't work. East Perth, East Perth, by the way, had the best junior council in Australia by a kilometre yep. for many years. Even though they didn't win the premierships that they could have, they uh, they they had a terrific structure, and we just took that there. And look, it was uh, we won. I think the second year we won about eight or nine games in a row, and then Alford and a couple of the blokes got badly injured. And they were a really good group of young blokes. Yep. And blokes like that were terrific to the club, like that uh, viewing area that we set up a, a business club there, which Dallas Dempster kind of set up and ran, and Jeff Summerhazes and all that sort of, all those blokes. 
it was they were really really keen. They wanted Claremont to do well, and, uh, and then of course uh, we cha- we changed the interchange when uh, uh, John Colreevy uh, we played Leederville Oval and uh, about 15 goals behind, and we took Colreevy uh, off and then uh, put him back on, and uh, I got 12 months suspension as an as a coach, but I was allowed to the next year run coaching clinics for the WAFL throughout West Australia, which we did so you uh, were, throughout all the countries. Though. You, were, you were banned, as I understand it, from holding any kind of official position with the club in 1976 for, the, for, for that offence. I wasn't allowed to uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I couldn't have coached. Yeah, you, yeah. And then we, the Vinchovich, I think they took it up and it became law. The interchange rule became rules within a year or two at the, the NFL. And I think Vince might have been president or was about to be um, president Vinchovich, who was the uh, Perth uh, ex-president, and uh, became law. Um, and it was look, it was ridiculous. It's a bit like the state of origin footy, well, not the state of origin, the state football, where you know they used to Victoria would bring over 21 players, and they could only play 20 because we had 20. Yeah. So I tried. I, we changed the rules for the year, and it cost us the game most probably. What if, if all of their 21 players are fit? Why wouldn't we let 21 of their players play and 21 of WA players play? And a lot of people at WA said, "Oh, you're giving them an advantage." That's true, but the facts were: were we there for foot to see for footballers to play football, or were we there for our own uh, politics and whatever? Because uh, you know, you didn't want a kid that if, if he got picked for Victoria and he couldn't play, it didn't count as a game because he didn't play the state game, he didn't play for his club. Mm. So it cost him all the way around. And it cost him his pay kind of thing as well. So we did that, and the Victoria got up and won, and then they introduced the interchange, which I think has been good, and it's been overused, and it's been reassessed. But it was a good thing. No one wants to see a side getting beaten by 20 goals. Mm. Yeah. With 17 men on the ground. I mean, that's crap. Yeah. After uh, Graham Moss took the uh, the reins, at uh, Claremont in 1977, you moved over to your uh, your club that you supported as a boy at South Fremantle. Kept playing during '77, uh, but also uh, coached them as well to a premiership in 1980. It was it was a decent stint you had at South Freo, wasn't it? Was that uh, as you reflect back, was that um, was that your favourite time to be a coach in footy? Most probably as a coach. Yep. Um, but see, you're very. I, I, as I said, I've been very lucky because. Uh, as a playing coach, you play and you, you're in, out on the field and it's a different thing. As a non-playing coach, you've got to get developed leaders like Noel Carter and Michael and, uh, you know, Rioli and these blokes to come into, your, into the side and take responsibility. It's a different thing. And it's interesting in, in um, at East Perth, I think I coached in 78, 70, uh, 70, 71 and 72, and we won the we won the flag. And then in South, it was 78, 79, 80, and it took about three years. But we, look, I was blessed. We had some uh, about to see South, East Perth. People forget they all talk about South with the with the Indigenous players. But East Perth had had you know from Sister Kate's Polly. They had Kill Murray, who was my second idol, uh, even though I was a South supporter. Uh, they had. Uh, Jack Hunt, uh, then they had, you know, Sid Jackson, and East Perth had kind of set away back in the 58s, 57s, and but South had uh, some the brothers, the Hayward brothers, and then they had 
all the other boys uh, became attractive because of blokes like Michaels and Rioli and the Michael Cockies and, the, you know, there was just a, a new... Well, in fact, I forgot Maguire and Kickett at, at East Perth as well. Yeah, so, so many big names. The, and South became... Then we got Noel Carter. I mean, it, what a what a wonderful Tasmanian big, Richmond player. Premier comes over and he becomes captain of WA. You know, we... We got a lot of the silly Jacko used to bring the crowds along, but we all had <laughs> Jacko doing handstands and and handstands, and then you had Benny Vagona, most probably the most talented of any of the uh, of the Aboriginal boys on on sheer skill. Then you had Morris Rioli, that was just a genius, and Ti Ti. One day, he, about the first game he played, I said to him, "You know, are you what's wrong with you? You weren't fit, weren't you?" Are you injured? And he said, you're the coach, you tell me. So I said, okay. So for 200 games, I never, ever asked him again. <laughs> we played, played him every game, I think. He was just amazing. Yeah. We were a bit unlucky in, in one year when they changed the rules and had to play a preliminary final. But the 79 one, East Shaman will beat us, I think, at least three, maybe four times for mm. the year. Um, and I, 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 was, I wasn't as disappointed as that as I was in... Uh, I think it was 82, I think, when, uh, or maybe 81. It might have been 81. But I think people forget just how how strong the uh, the Waffle was back in those days. Some of those uh, incredible names you mentioned all playing uh, in WA at the time. Um, you know, it would have been a, a great time to be uh, right in amongst it uh, in footy here in WA. Uh, you mentioned Jacko there. Did you, um, how did you go with, I mean, was he, was he just untamable? Jack, I mean, being a bit of a <laughs> bit of a wild man, did you see a little bit of yourself in him at all? I don't mean that as a, in, no. in, in an insulting way at all, Mal. But uh, did you see? No, a little no, bit no. Of no. His... He was he, he was clever. Is as smart as a fox. Yeah. He was clever. <laughs> he was clever as like he used to use the press. He used the whole lot. He knew he was a lot. Of, his was marketing, and yeah. he was and look, he wasn't. People underestimate him. I mean, he couldn't run, um, but. <laughs> He kicked about four goals a game in his career. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the percentage, old Jacko, but he he, he was uh, he was the funniest day ever. Was Clive Lewington was like the great Jack Clayton at East Perth, a beautiful person and never raised his voice. And Jacko does the handstand at Subiaco Oval, and the bloke bounces the ball and runs around him. And Mr. Lewington, as I used to call him, said to me, Malcolm, what are you going to do about that? And I said, Clive, I've only coached two premierships. You've coached three or four. You bloody tell me what you do about that. I've got no idea. <laughs> well, we couldn't stop laughing because it was just, uh, Jacko was Jacko. But he let himself down in regards to, he he, he was going to play basically in the game. And he the night before uh, the final, Robbie Burns, or the next morning, Robbie Burns drinks and says, Jacko's gone home. Uh, caught the plane home at, at midnight. And I said, you silly bugger, you're telling lies. I said, he's at training last night. Well, we, we'd made him an emergency, I think it was, because he wanted to, he, he'd been not doing the right thing and doctors told and whatever, and we decided to give him a bit of a rest. So the players had a vote on who should play in the team, uh, which was all set up. So and they were, none of them named poor old Jacko, except for himself, I think. <laughs> and there might have been two or three. So we put him on the bit because it was forecast rain. He was definitely going to have a big chance of playing. But he just caught the plane home like the great Russian poet Nikovsky. <laughs> and his father was 
He fly, his father was flying the other way from Melbourne to see him play. And there they pass it. <laughs> Waved each other the over the Nullarbor. <laughs> Brilliant. But he was very funny. Benny, Benny Gona said to me, hey, boss, he said, uh, I can't live with this Jacko anymore. He said, why? He said, he's bloody mad. I said, why? He said, he fires a gun shot through the window of up out of the window of the flat. He said, I'm shifting out. He's had enough of him. <laughs> uh, very good. Hey, um, a funny man. Very funny. What a character as well, Mel. Thank you so much for uh, for sharing some of your many, many stories. Good on you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Inspiring Stories here on 882 6PR. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. And we look forward to you joining us next time as we unearth another inspiring story. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.